Proverbs chapter 1 is where we'll take our text from today. This new series at the beginning of the year is to teach us some wisdom. How many needs wisdom? How many wants to be smarter this year than you was last year? <laughs> How many wants to do wiser things this year than you did last year? We've all made mistakes. We've all had shortcomings in our past, but that, that doesn't mean we have to have them in our present or in our future. Look to your neighbor and say, you can get better. You just got to do better. That's, that's the way to be better is to do better. The only way that's ever going to work. So this uh, Proverbs series is going to be for five weeks. We're going to discuss many things. I'm, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss any of these. We're going to touch topics like relationships. How many has ever had problems with relationships? There's a couple. My mom's got her hands raised. I, I want some honesty in the room. How many's ever had problems with relationships? Whatever that is, it might be your neighbor, it might be your spouse, it might be your siblings, it might be somebody else around you, but we've all had problems with relationships, and we're going to discuss that uh, topic in this series. We're going to talk about how to talk. How many's ever had a problem with watching your speech? <laughs> and saying the wrong things at the wrong time and opening up your mouth and saying, I wish I could have that moment back so that I wouldn't say that again. And uh, whatever that means, whether it's uh, whatever uh, area of your life, if you say things you shouldn't say, then this series is going to be for you. Another topic we're going to talk about is laziness. Ooh. Everybody say ooh. <laughs> laziness. I think laziness gets the best of us. Sometimes I've got some moments where that uh, actually me and Leslie yesterday, we had what we every now and then around the house we call a lazy day. And it's where you just sit back and lean back in the recliner and watch TV if you want to watch TV or turn the TV off and take a nap if you want to take a nap. I love those kind of days, don't you? And the worst thing about those days is they're addictive. <laughs> because once you have one, you want to have two, and then you'll have three and four. And next thing you know, your whole week's gone because you've had a lot of lazy days. It's nothing wrong with having rest. God teaches us that we are to have rest. It's called a Sabbath. And I believe that God gives us one day a week that we ought to have a lazy day. But that shouldn't be every day. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be lazy. Every day. Don't be lazy every day. You can be lazy one day a week. God gives you that, but that's enough. Amen? So we're going to touch on that too. But today we're starting out in Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. And let's stand as we read that, uh, that text, if you will. This is the New Living Translation that we're reading from here today. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give you insights to the simple, knowledge and discernments to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables. The words of the wise and their riddles, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that wisdom that you're going to impart in us today, that your word would be engrafted in our hearts. 
God, I pray through this series for people struggling with relationships, with those struggling with uh, the way to, and the manner to talk with righteousness and speak as you would speak and be quiet as you would be quiet. God, I pray for all those here today that maybe have seasons of laziness, God, that they seem like they want to accomplish more, but they never get anything done. God, I pray that these this series of Proverbs would awaken our hearts, God, and Lord, that you would let us see that you want us to be successful in this life, not only in heaven to come, but here on earth, God, that we would have good success just as you've promised us in your word. God, do everything that your word says to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. You can be seated. I love thinking about wisdom and knowledge and understanding because without it, we make mistakes. And in making mistakes, it always uh, makes us second guess our future uh, uh, our future uh, things that we want to accomplish. It, it makes us challenge whether we should go forward and do the things that we're thinking about. And God gives us dreams and visions, and he places in our heart things that we need to accomplish in life and in this world that we're living in here today. And I believe that this series of Proverbs is going to help us see that one of the greatest people that ever lived, the wisest person to ever live other than Jesus Christ himself, was King Solomon. And King Solomon penned this whole uh, book of Proverbs that's in your Old Testament. It's right after Psalms. So if you read through these Proverbs throughout the remainder of the month, in these next five weeks, we can cover every proverb in these texts. And I believe that these Proverbs are little quotes or little one-line sayings that can apply to your life. And I know some people, I've known pastors before that live their whole life reading at least a proverb a day because there's 31 of them. And uh, the last one's one of the great ones for women. So if, you, if you're a woman and you want to know what God's Word says about being a woman and what you ought to be like, you can read Proverbs 31. It deals with being a virtuous woman. And, and there's Proverbs that deal with all manner of our life. And I want us to understand them in a way that it can apply, where it applies to our life. That it isn't just something that we're dreaming about or something we're desiring, but it's something that we're actually applying. Because when we apply it, great things happen. How many believes when you act on God's word and you begin to change according to God's word that your life gets better? It don't mean that bad things won't happen to you because bad things happen to good people. Look at your neighbor and say, bad things happen to good people. This isn't going to prevent you from having any hurt or any pain. It's just going to help you get through it sooner. Amen? We all will endure those hardships in life the bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust so it doesn't matter whether you're in right standing or god with god or you're out of right standing with god rain happens on every life so i'm telling you today don't expect bad things not to happen because i really believe in the, what i've experienced in my past in my life is even after becoming a christian i thought everything was going to be perfect I was thinking last night, you know, I remember when I, when I got saved and how the things started to shape up in my life. And I remember walking into church one night and, and, and going to go get baptized in water and being dunked under the water. And I was thinking, man, everything's going to be good now. I'm, I'm taking steps towards my faith in Christ. And I, but it wasn't too long after that, being involved in a church, hurts came. And I was kindly dumbfounded by it. I was like, why do we get hurt in church? This is supposed to be the safe place, right? 
so, but the more I begin to understand that it rains on the just and the unjust. When I read that verse, it made a lot of sense because it's how it was in my life. But the thing is, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to the situation. Bad things happen to good people. But good people react different than bad people. There was one amen out of, I don't know how many, 30, some 40 people here this morning. <laughs> I said good people react different than bad people. That was a little bit better. It wasn't there yet. I think I, I need a little better than that to encourage me to preach this morning. So I said good things, good people react different than bad people. That's a little better. Okay, I'll, I'll settle for that one. I think you can do better throughout the day. But as we see that, that we need to understand that our reaction is what matters. Our reaction to the events that happen in our lives. So as this proverb is teaching us, I want us to understand what is wisdom. I believe in, for, in order for us to know what Proverbs is talking about and know where Solomon's coming from, we need to understand what wisdom is. And I don't think everybody knows. I think some people think wisdom is uh, according to the color of your hair. Some people think, well, if they got gray hair, they must have a lot of wisdom. How many believes that? How many's ever seen some gray-haired people do some dumb things? Gray hair doesn't mean you're wise. You can, I can know some 20-year-old people. I, I know some little kids that are really wise because they know how to apply what they've learned. Actually, the Lockins, little kid, you know, here the night we was here at the uh, New Year's party, and, and she's so smart, she didn't want to play games. She was worried about what states what. She made me sit down with her, and I had to hold, draw a whole map of the United States. And, and she started making me feel dumb. <laughs> you ever been around a kid and feel dumb? That's the way I was at. I was like, oh, gosh, she's going to outsmart me here. She started naming the 13 colonies and going through and naming all these states. She missed about four out of the 50. It's amazing to me. She knew that Kentucky was the 15th state. She, had, she was applying what she had learned in school. She could apply it on a piece of paper. That's wisdom. See, there's kids that learn it that knew how to pass the test at the end of the week, but now they don't know nothing about it. That isn't wisdom. Wisdom is applying what you've already learned. So in understanding that, I want us to see it this way, that, you know, even another step that she took me on, I, I was trying to trick her up because then I was like, man, I've got to outsmart her. I'm 40 years old. I better have something that she don't know. Has anybody ever tried that with a kid? It's like, I better outsmart her. At least you'll think Pastor Ben's halfway smart and he's not dumb. And I, I started dealing with math with her. Bad subject to get on with Callie, I'll tell you right now, if you... If you want to try to trick her up, you better go on something else other than math and geography. <laughs> You're in trouble. So I started doing things like feet and inches. She didn't even know what feet and inches was. But as I was trying to get her to subtract them, she could do it in percentages because she's already learned percentages. She was giving me answers on stuff she didn't even know how to do because she could apply it. It's amazing. That's called wisdom. That's applying what you've learned and seeing it on a different way, not just to pass a test, <laughs> but living life. So I was, I was telling uh, some people this weekend after that happened, I was like, man, she could be an engineer. I, she's the type of person I want building the bridges I drive across. I'm telling you that, that wisdom comes even at an early age in children. They can apply things they've learned. 
Some kids are not very well to find things. <laughs> How many ever told your kid to clean the room? Anybody? You ever tell your kid to clean the room? Did you guys ever tell Leslie to clean the room? You must not have because she won't clean the room. I'm, I'm playing because I'll still be having one of my lazy days. I'll still be laying in the bed, and she comes in there and makes the bed around me because I won't get up. She's like, I'm making the bed anyway. And I get up, and it makes her mad because I try to make the bed, and I think it's good enough. You ever made a bed and just think, well, that's pretty close. I can get back in that tonight. It might have one little wrinkle on the edge. She comes off and tears every blanket off and completely redoes it again. It's never good enough. She's got to clean. So apparently her parents taught her how to clean her room and make her bed. So it's something she learned and she applies. So as we're seeing this, I want us to see that Solomon, King Solomon, we need to look into his life a little bit. And King Solomon wasn't always wise. He wasn't always knowledgeable about things and about being a king. He wasn't always knowledgeable about life and how to live life to its best. And you know, you can read back through, and I think it's in Second Chronicles, I believe, chapter 8, somewhere thereabout, that they're talking about King Solomon. And whenever he gets ready to be appointed as king, David begins to look at King Solomon, and he says he don't have very much understanding, and he's kind of young. He don't understand a lot. He's kind of young, and here he's going to be king. So David was worried about Solomon not having enough understanding. How many's ever felt like you got in over your head? I remember uh, times in my life and seasons of my life that I feel like that I was outranked and I, you know, different jobs I've had in my career that I would go in and I would interview for that job and finally the boss would look at me and give me a bunch of questions and throughout the questions I'd be like, man, I don't know if I'm up for this or not. It would scare me because I would feel like that I wasn't able to do what he was asking me to do, what my job title was going to be. And I, I looked at him, that one boss, I was sitting in the middle of an interview one time and I told him, I said, you're talking about stuff that's way beyond me. I probably ain't the right guy for this job. He looked at me and said, why are you saying that? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, are you willing to learn? I said, I'll learn anything you've got to teach me. I'll listen to you. And if you're my boss and you know what's going on and you tell me what to do, I'll do it. He said, well, that's what I'm looking for, somebody willing to learn. I don't need to know it all. I need somebody that will learn. I think that's the way God is looking at us today. He's interviewing our life and saying, hey, you don't know everything, but are you willing to learn? Are you willing to listen when I tell you to listen? Are you willing to do what I ask you to do? God is speaking to us and saying, I am smarter than you, but I can make take you farther than you can take yourself. And that boss, when I told him that that day, he winded up harming me. He said, you're the perfect candidate for the job. You've got this experience, that experience, and, and you're going to be the perfect candidate. And they hired me. And then it went, the job went really well. I was able to succeed in that job. And actually, I, I rose through the ranks pretty fast at that job. But if I would have listened to my own understanding, what I, my own capabilities that I thought I had, I would not have taken that job. Sometimes you've got to jump in the fire to learn a few things. If you want to learn uh, different things, and some people, you know, at leading the church, we try to tell them that you need to be involved in ministry. You need to get in and help with the church, and you need to help do this and help do that. And I've had people come to me and say, well, I don't, I don't know enough about the Bible to do that. Well, how much of the Bible do you have to know to be able to love on a little kid? How much of the Bible do you really have to know to shake somebody's hand at the door and be a welcoming church? 
It don't take a lot. You don't have to know the whole Bible. And how much does it take to go and deliver cookies to a first-time guest? Or how much Bible do you have to know to be able to do these things? It don't take a lot of Bible. Amen? Sister Rose is shaking her head. You don't have to know a lot of the Bible to do these things. Just get involved. And when you get involved in ministry, you'll start learning ministry, and you'll learn how to deal with people. That's what God wants of us. And he's telling us you don't have to know everything today. Just try. He wants you to try. So King Solomon and, and David, his dad, look at him saying, well, <laughs> you know what? There's got to be a king after me. I'm about ready to die. I guess this is the best I got. And he sets up Solomon. How many would like to start your tenure in your new job of somebody saying, well, you're not really good enough, but I guess you're the best I can do. That's what King David did to his boys. Solomon comes in, and wherever he gets in, and God comes and asks Solomon, you can ask for anything you want. What do you want? Anything. I know people that I hear all the time say, man, I wish I'd win the lottery. Man, the lotto is $181 million. I'm going to get 90 of it, and I, I wish I could win the lottery. I wish this, or I wish that. And uh, they just go through life wishing for something else and something that they think would bring them happiness. Have you ever watched those uh, uh, documentaries on the people that's actually won the lottery? The ones that say, I wish that I wouldn't have won the lottery. This is after they won it. They was the people that was wishing they'd win. Now they're saying, I wish I wouldn't have won because it brings misery in my life. The guy up in Huntington won the lottery. Granddaughter or gets killed and, and all this pain and misery and stuff comes in his life and he's just like, I wish I would have never won that money. You see, what if God asked you, you get one wish, what would your wish be? This is the moment we need to decide. What would my wish be? I can tell you right now, you don't want to wish for money because money brings you unhappiness. If you don't believe me, find the richest people you know and look how miserable they are. I know some people, fairly wealthy people. They're miserable because all they worry about is how much more money they can get. It's never enough. If they're worth a million, they want to be worth 10 million. If they're worth 10 million, they want to be worth 100 million. If they're worth 100 million, they want to be worth a billion. They're always looking up to the next people above them and thinking, if I could get that much, then I would be happy. I can tell you right now, money will not make you happy. It might make you smile every now and then whenever you get that one little event that finally it gives you a little bit of pleasure for a moment. But uh, uh, pleasure is fleeting. It, it only happens. It's temporal. There is pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible says, and, and that season don't last very long. So what would be your wish today if God told you, ask anything you want? King Solomon made a, a wise choice. He said, I tell you what, God, my dad told me I'm dumb, and I don't know how to lead people, so I guess I'm going to need some wisdom of how to lead people. That was his request. I, I want to I understand and lead your people and have righteous judgment and do the right things in my new job description as king. Make me wise, God. He was young. He didn't have all the knowledge, but he wanted wisdom. Wisdom comes with age, it does. The older you get, the wiser you'll get if you learn how to apply the knowledge you're learning through that process. But if you never, <laughs> if you never apply the knowledge you learned, you're messing up. 
So as Solomon asked for this wisdom, God said, okay, now I'm going to grant you wisdom. And when he granted him wisdom, he got all this other stuff because wisdom will make you successful. And successful people can get money. King Solomon was able to go out and, and do things and build this kingdom and build this empire. And as he was building up the, the nation of Israel, the Bible says that he took in gold in, in taxes and, and like uh, revenue coming in to help him build the, the temple. You know how, how much gold he got? Six, six, six. Look it up. That's how much he took in every year. Tons. That's a lot of gold. But in that became a stumbling block. He didn't worship his money. He worshiped God. But in the process of time throughout his life, as he began to live life and understand things and, and get more wisdom throughout his years, he would look and try to learn in every situation. And this gold would come in and wind it up. He, 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 he got a wife and, and he brought her in his house. And, and the Bible talks about that. You know how many wives Solomon ended up with by the end of his life? 700. Seven hundred wives, and there's three hundred concubines over that. How would you like to take care of seven hundred wives? It's hard enough to take care of one. I'll tell you right now, I I couldn't handle seven hundred no way, shape, or form. It, that'd be misery. That'd be pure misery. I no wonder Solomon started failing later in life. He he was miserable, man. You can't do that. God told him. Uh, 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 a uh, son should leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. He didn't say you shall leave your father and mother and go cleave to 700. Should be one. Only one. So Solomon messed up because he started doing things that was outside of Scripture. And he thought he was exempt, that God would exempt him from the law of God. I can tell you today, you're not exempt. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't exempt. You're not the exception. <laughs> You're not the exception to all God's rule to where he's going to step back and say, well, I, I can let you buy with that because you're special. You're pretty special, all right, but God ain't going to let you buy with it. His word says no, it's no. Simple as that. So this wisdom and this instruction that I want you to see today is that God is teaching us how to apply what we've already learned. It isn't about knowing as much as the neighbor or having as much wisdom as somebody else because you haven't lived their life yet. What it's about is applying what you've already learned today. And I don't know how much you know about God's word or the things that you understand about God's word, but you need to apply what you've already learned. Can you name any one of the of the sermon series that we done last year. The thrill of hope, that's the last one. Pete got that one. He got that one out early so that he could make sure that he didn't have to answer later on. Fear. Amazing grace. See, most of the time we hear sermons and they inspire us in the moment. But by Sunday evening, we've already messed up too much and can't remember anything Pastor Ben said. 
Anybody guilty? I'm guilty myself. Sometimes I've got to go back and say, what did I preach last week? That's the way my mind works. I'm kind of twisted like that sometimes. And I've got to go back and think about it. But as we're thinking about what we've already learned of God's Word, we've got to learn how to apply it. So if, if I think we need to keep it simple. I want church to be simple because basically what I'm saying is, Bethesda, you're a pretty simple bunch. <laughs> you don't understand real well. Amen. It's a couple, couple people believe that I'm talking to them, maybe. So won't you just look at your neighbor's smile real big and say, I'm simple. <laughs> no, I mean simple-minded. That's what I am. I'm simple-minded. That's what Pastor Ben's talking about. I'm pretty simple. I can't, I can't remember much. So this week, all I want you to know, this is the way I'm going to do this series. We're going to get one thing a week. The one thing I need you to know this week is you need to start applying what we're talking about on Sunday. If you want wisdom, first thing you got to know is it has to be applied. If it's not applied, you didn't learn nothing. See, I broke it down like this. The uh, who, what, where, when, why, and how. You ever, you ever heard of those things? Who, what, where, when, why, and how. That's the way I, I read the Bible. So if I'm reading a, a Bible, I try to figure out who, what, where, when, why, and how. What's it about? Who's it about? Why was they there? What was the circumstance around it? I try to figure all that out so that I understand that scripture. So in wisdom, I want you to see this, that the, the, the what is understanding. That's what you know. I know some smart people that do dumb things. I know <laughs> he, he must have seen them kind of people before, too. He laughed about it. I've seen some super smart people. I'm talking about people with IQs that will blow you out of the water so smart, but they ain't wise enough to do anything with it. That's the what. Understanding. So that <laughs> the what is knowledge. Write that down. The what is knowledge. The why is understanding. All the rest of them are wisdom. and Karen's both taking notes. If you want more wisdom, if you want to remember what Pastor Ben said through the week, take notes and you'll remember. You know why? Because you're simple-minded. <laughs> you're just like me. If I don't have a note, I won't remember. I'm glad I got a smartphone because I'm not very smart. I can push this button right here. Remind me to read the Bible at 8 a.m. in the morning. Eight o'clock in the morning, this phone will light up and say, read your Bible. I guess I'm asking you to use your smartphone because you're not very smart. I have to do this all the time. On my way home from work, I'll hit that button and say, send out an email at eight in the morning to so-and-so about blah, blah, blah. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, it'll pop up and say, hey, dummy, you're supposed to send out an email to so-and-so this morning because you wouldn't remember it if you wouldn't give yourself a reminder. True? Say, help me, Pastor Ben. 
You, you've got the whole world at your fingertips with a smartphone, and we still do dumb things. We're still forgetful. We're human. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Really, we're simple-minded. We don't use a percentage of our, of our brain power. So God's telling us, be wiser. Do better things this year. If you want to be better this year, do better things. And the only way you're ever going to grow or get better is to do different things. So as Solomon's learning these things, and he's telling us to apply them to our life. The what is what? What's the what stand for? Huh? What? What is knowledge? The why is understanding. Everybody say it because if we say it eight times, you'll remember it. What is knowledge? Why is understanding? So what's the difference in knowledge and understanding? This is like this is like I feel like I'm in science class or something here, I, but we need to understand the Bible to be able to apply it to our life. So the what is what knowledge. The why is understanding. All the rest of those are wisdom. So let's talk about them a minute. Who? How many's ever said the wrong th or the right thing to the wrong person? Sometimes. You, the Bible says don't cast your pearl before the swine. You can say the right thing to the wrong person. That's wisdom. That's how to apply your knowledge and your understanding. The what and the why. Who should I say it to? Where? How many said the wrong thing? At the wrong place. Maybe you're in a big meeting hall and you say something out loud and a, and a hush comes over the room. That's the where. You ought to know where to say stuff. When timing is everything. The Bible is full of moments. that Our life is filled with moments of time. And they're, they're broke up in little increments. And there's a certain time that certain things need to be said. Amen? So in doing these things, if you want to learn wisdom, you're going to have to learn these five things. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. Is that five or six? How is six? So in types of personalities, there are people that are um, passive. You've heard of those people. How many know somebody that's passive? Oh, oh me. That's a passive person. How, and then there's an aggressive person. How many's ever met an aggressive person? It's bad when you're an aggressive person is with a passive person because the aggressive person will always outpower the aggressive person or the passive person. But then there's another type of person called an assertive person. Passive, aggressive, and assertive. I want to be assertive. There's sometimes I have to say things whether I like to say I'm not. Me, as a person, I'm pretty passive. I let things go. I put things off. I don't want to deal with some things at some times. But there's moments that I've learned through my life that if I'm passive my whole life, I'll get taken advantage of. I'll get taken advantage of. And people will run over me. Aggressive person will run over my personality. But there's a time where I have to be assertive, and it's just stating the facts. 
I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to do things in a hurtful way. That's the how to do it. How to apply your wisdom and, or, or your understanding and your knowledge. The how is <coughs> the way you present it. Sometimes the package on the outside of the prize brings you more joy than the prize inside of the package. big present. Anybody ever have this happen when, the ki- when you was a kid? It was like a big present. It's like this tall, that wide, that big. It's just huge. And y- in your mind, you've got all these imaginations of what that's going to be. It's going to be, whoo, I can't wait to open that big one on Christmas Day. And you come to find out that they put a box inside of 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 How many's ever done that to your kids? You're absolutely mean. I tell you, it's cruel. And they get all the way down to the last little box, and it might be something goofy like a bag of cookies or something. It's like, really? i done all this opening for that little old box of cookies? The way you wrap something makes a difference in the prize. The how you say things to people will make a difference in how they react to it. Sometimes we have to be the bearer of bad news, but I want to package it up in a way where it makes it okay it's edible it's palatable I guess is the word they use that you can uh, you can you can stand the taste nobody likes serving a sour biscuit but if you package it right and put it in the right place at the right time some people say oh at least he made it with love now you've had surely you people have had a little girl that wanted one of them little easy bake ovens Surely to goodness, somebody in this room has bought a little easy-bake oven for some daughter or eventually some point in time. Pete, easy-bake oven. So she gets it in there like, oh, I'm going to be a cook like Granny. Yeah, and they go in there and they mix up this concoction of absolute nastiness. And they, they pile it in there and they put it in like a little plate and they make a little star out of it and it looks like a little apple or something to shape and they put it in their easy-bake oven and it goes through there and it bakes it halfway. It's full of goo in the middle. It's absolute nastiness. And they come up and hand it to you with a big smile, and they're just so proud that they've got that easy bake oven, and they've done it. And you take a bite of it, and you don't loathe it. That's, a, that's nasty. No matter how bad it tastes, you just look and smile, don't you? What if you were wise enough to start being able to say things to keep people from running over you, but it becomes palatable where they don't knock you out for saying it? Packaging is everything. So in understanding this stuff about wisdom, I want you to know today that wisdom is how to apply the knowledge and understanding that you've already received. The Bible talks about that the, that the law is our schoolmaster, that it's, it's something that makes us wise unto salvation, that, that the word of God makes us wise unto salvation. And no matter if the only verse you ever heard in your life was John 3.16, you're wise enough for salvation. Through the word of God, the engrafted word of God, that it can apply to your heart and it can change your life just by John 3.16. You don't have to know it all. You need to know a little bit. Or most people take you down the Romans road. In Romans chapter 10, it'll tell you that this is the Romans road, that it leads you to, to the place of salvation, a position of salvation. 
that there, it's confessed with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and you shall be saved, it says in Romans 10. So there's a place that whatever you know right now is enough for salvation. And the wisest decision you'll ever make in your life is the moment you d decide to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No matter what you do with every bit of the information in your life, the one thing you need to make sure that you do something with is the information that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And it isn't about just knowing it. What do you do with it? How have you applied it to your heart? How have you applied it to your life? Has it caused you to act differently? The main decision you'll ever make in your life and the wisest decision you'll ever make in your life is knowing how to apply some of those simplest verses. Simple-minded people, God has dealt with that in a way we can understand. Paul even talks about in Corinthians that the simplicity of the gospel, that's the gospel he wants to preach, is the, the simplicity of the gospel. And I believe Solomon wanted to teach us some things in Proverbs that makes even the simple people be able to understand. That's what he said here in what we read this morning. Even simple people can understand this. And he said it will even make the wise people wiser. It don't matter what kind of experience you've got in life. I believe God's word can transform your life and your heart and your mind if you allow it to be applied in your life. Won't you stand? God, give us wisdom today to apply what you've taught us. God, I pray for the people in this room. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work on our hearts. And Lord, most of all, that we would be wise unto salvation, just like your scripture teaches us. And God, that your words that you've taught us in times past, maybe it was a little Bible story that they've heard about David and Goliath, but how that you came through and that you brought victory, Lord, in times where that it seemed like it was inevitable that death was coming, that David took courage and he traveled with you and you were victorious in his life. Lord, that is a picture of salvation. You saved him that day. David could not have done it on his own. It was only by your handiwork. God, I pray for the people in this room today that they can take the knowledge and the understanding that they have and, God, they can make wise decisions. Lord, that they can apply it in their life. God, I pray that this year of 2016, Lord, would be changed by the actions that the people in this room do. Lord, that they wouldn't expect you to do everything, but, Lord, they would say, I'm going to put my hands to the plow, and I'm going forward, and I'm going to go forward with God, and he's going to guide my steps. And, Lord, that they would make wise decisions in those moments of hurt, in those moments of pain, in those moments of discomfort. Lord, make them wise unto salvation. Holy Spirit, do your work today. I pray that you would bring conviction upon the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that conviction would come on this house. Lord, not condemnation, not where that they feel uh, like there's no way out, but Lord, that conviction would come because conviction brings hope. God, I pray today that as that conviction comes upon the hearts, 
Lord, there's people in this room that they know right now, Lord, that they're on a bad path, that their direction is wrong, that some things they've been doing is wrong. I pray as your conviction comes, God, that they will make a decision right here at this moment to receive you as their Lord and Savior. And, Lord, that they will act different. I want everybody here, just bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone here, bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody. I don't want nobody looking around because it is none of your business what somebody else is doing. say, Pastor Ben, I will admit my actions that I've been doing are wrong, and I want to change the way I'm doing things. I want to change in my life. I want things to be better. Anybody here, just raise your hand and say, the actions I've been doing are wrong. I want to change in my life. I want God to rearrange me. Everybody here, if you'll just repeat this prayer after me and mean it with your heart, that it'll be the your words coming off of your mouth that you will repeat out loud. God will change your life today. Everybody here, just repeat this after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Heal my heart from pain deal with my mind that I will let it go Lord help me with my actions don't let me react in an unkind way when bad things happen Lord I'm asking you to cleanse me from all sin make me new today make this year better than last Help me to go forward. Give me new dreams and visions. Show me your plan for my life. And I will act on it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.